This is Peruvian Travel Trends, and I'm Rick Vecchio. And today we're speaking with wildlife photographer and guide Jeff Kramer. Jeff, thank you for talking with us today. Nice to be here. He's offering really unique programs for small group photographic safaris in Peru's southern Amazon rainforest in the heart of the Tambopata Reserve, one of the most biodiverse spots on the planet. To start, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Where, where are you from originally, and how did you get involved in photography? Well, I'm originally from Pueblo, Colorado, and I've been in Peru for about six years now. And I started in photography when I was doing astrophotography out in the prairies of Colorado. And I just went out there with my telescope and stuff and used to take pictures of galaxies and stars and planets and all that. And after a while, I thought maybe I'll turn my camera towards more terrestrial subjects and start photographing that stuff as well. So what drew you to Peru and Peru's rainforest? I was basically living in Costa Rica for a couple of years. And I thought, hey, I'll come to Peru and and check everything out. I knew there's Machu Picchu, I knew there was the Nazca Lines, I knew there's Amazon Jungle, so I came to Peru and, and I stayed. It it was like a two-month trip and then it turned into about six years. And then I took a trip to Iquitos a long time ago and uh, I was in the Amazon Jungle and that blew my mind. I thought it was really, really cool. And then I uh, I just fell in love with the Amazon and that's where I stayed. Tell us about your photo tours. Who are they for? Where do you go? What do clients have to bring? Our photo tours, it's for anybody who has an interest in photography. It can be a beginner, an intermediate, an advanced photographer. And where we go is through to Rainforest Expeditions Lodges in Tambopata, Peru. And that's in the Tambopata National Reserve. So we go to all three of the Rainforest Lodges. That's Posada Amazonas for the Fujio Amazonas and the Tambopata Research Center. And each lodge offers something different to, uh, you know, as far as photography goes. So, like, for example, Posada Amazonas works for the native community. And uh, you can have interaction with some of the native people there. They also have a lot of different clay licks. And they also have about 30-meter tall jungle canopy tower you can climb up and look over the canopy uh they also have a lake with a family of giant river otters so we can go out there and photograph that refugio amazonas has another uh, canopy tower they also have a clay lick they have a lake out there as well you can see watson birds and macaws and toucans uh, bat falcons are out there a lot of cool stuff and then the Tambopata Research Center is well known for the largest macaw clay lick in the world. And every morning, dozens of macaws and parrots come out there and eat clay because of the salt content, and they need salt for the diet. And it's a cool thing. It's like almost like a natural wonder of the world. It's amazing to see all the macaws come out there, and we get the opportunity to uh, photograph that. And then in between, when we're doing transfers, that's on giant canoes with big outboard motors, and we get a lot of time on the Tambopata River see turtles covered with butterflies, capybaras, and then there's always a chance to see a jaguar. And so, you know, there are other things a rainforest has to offer, but we touch on all the best sites for a photographer. And as far as what clients have to bring, I always say just bring your sense of adventure because we provide all of the photography gear. We provide cameras, lenses, tripods, all the pro stuff. You just have to come out there willing to have an adventure, willing to learn stuff. I provide all the rest, you know, Photoshop, all the instruction, everything. It's a, it's a really cool time. The most important question of all, to photographers at least, what's your kit? What glass do you carry with you? What other equipment? So when, when clients come down, I give them access to a lot of different equipment. 
Uh, some of the stuff that I carry is a, a 600 millimeter f4 lens for a Canon. That's a gigantic pro sports lens and wildlife lens. It's huge, weighs about 15 or 20 pounds. Uh, that hooks onto a carbon fiber tripod with something called a Wimberly head, so it balances the lens really well and. You can move it around to catch pictures of birds in flight, and when you're moving down the river, you can swing it around really fast and take pictures of copy bars and stuff on the river. I carry a couple macro lenses, a Nikon 105 f2.8 macro, and then I carry a very special Canon MPE 65, and that's a really high-powered macro lens, and it can get five times life-size on the subjects. I mean, you can take a picture of that eyes of an ant or the wing scales on a butterfly with that. I carry other lenses, a uh, 1 to 400 millimeter Canon, a 70 to 200 millimeter 2.8 Nikon. Uh, I got some wide angles. We also have a gigapixel camera that allows people to uh, take 360 degree photos or take a thousand photos and then combine them into one super high resolution photo. And then I have automated focus stacking devices that are good for really extreme macro subjects, and you can do special processes with that to get high-resolution macro photos. Then I have a 17-inch MacBook Pro, and I've got Photoshop on there, focus stacking programs, HDR programs, uh, plugins for Photoshop. Clients get access to all of that on their tour. Two questions. Uh, how have advancements in camera technology changed the way that you work? And the follow-up question to that is, with all this advanced equipment that you're uh, taking into the, into the jungle, what do you do if it, uh, it slips over the side of a boat and you know, goes into the drink? I'll answer the second question first. Everything's insured. So if it falls in the water, I got insurance on it. But, but please don't have any accidents, though. Uh, <laughs> How advancements in camera technologies have that changed the way I've worked? Uh, I say there's not so much as of a learning curve anymore, right? Because you, you fire off a bunch of photos and you can see instantly the results that, that you're having. You know, when you make changes to ISO or aperture or shutter speed, you can see the results that that's having on your picture right away and then make corrections to it. Also, you can... You know, Photoshop allows you to do a lot of editing and stuff like that. You can crop the photo very quickly. You can change the colors. You can change brightness, saturation levels, and stuff like that. And it makes the pictures pop. And HDR techniques, you can get very high dynamic range in the photo and get really cool effects. The focus stacking, you know, that's something that wasn't possible years ago. So you can take a picture of maybe the head of the ant. Normally, the head of the ant will be in focus, and then the the tail of the ant won't be in focus. With focus stacking, a, a robotic focuser moves the camera throughout the length of the ant. He'll take a photograph at each different focus point. You bring all those photographs into the computer, and it magically kind of fuses them together and only fuses the in-focus parts so the entire ant will be in focus. And that's a very new technology. And the same with the gigapixel stuff. You know, taking a 1,000 or 5,000 pictures and stitching them all together for a super high-resolution photo. That really is a game-changer. You can take crazy high-resolution stuff and huge panoramas. It's, it's very cool. How huge is huge? How huge is huge? I have the record for the largest picture in Peru, and that's about 22,000 megapixels. 
and that's equivalent to about 22 gigapixels. So you could take something like that and print it out maybe, depending on the resolution, you know, maybe 50 meters long by at least 10 meters high, and it will be still full resolution, maybe 300 dpi. And that was made with 3,060 photos fused together using a almost a supercomputer. Yeah, we can get pretty big on stuff like that. So you can get very, very big and very, very small. Yeah. Huh. Do you see directly any effects on animals or the forest from human encroachment in the time that you've been working in Tambopata and the Peruvian rainforest? I haven't seen many effects of human encroachment in Tambopata, but in other parts of the Amazon I have seen a lot of the effects of human encroachment. So one of the things that I see, like I went up to Iquitos, and basically I didn't see much. I went out there wanting to see all sorts of animals and stuff like that, and I really didn't see that much. And a lot of the reason is because all the people up there in Iquitos, they killed all the animals, and they're eating them. So when you go out into the jungle, you don't see much. Out in Tambopata is a little bit different of a story. So we work with the native community to promote ecotourism. And then we're also in the Tambopata National Reserve, and that's a protected area. And they have park guards and checkpoints and stuff. So it's not like this holocaust of animals like you see in the market in Iquitos. It's more they're, they're providing value to the standing forest through ways of ecotourism. And you get a lot more opportunity to see wildlife. What do you do to minimize your footprint when you're out there, and particularly with less experienced amateur photographers who you're guiding? How we minimize our footprint out there? Well, like we say, it's an eco-lodge, right? So everything's ecologically friendly. We use biodegradable soaps. We're using solar power. At night, there's a generator, and that's only run at night just for a few hours. Garbage that is generated from the tourism operation is uh, boated off to... Puerto Maldonado, near the nearest city, and it's disposed of properly. And then, uh, you know, we try not to interfere with the animals as much as possible. You know, we just leave them alone and just take pictures of them. And what about the size of the groups that you're taking into the, the forest? Normal size of group, two or three people. I do a maximum of six. And, you know, we don't want to have these big, huge tour groups tramping through the forest and making all sorts of noise and stuff. And then we want to get good shots, and then I want to be able to give a lot of one-on-one -on -one instruction to the clients, so we keep the group sizes pretty small. And, and in your time photographing in the Peruvian rainforest, what's the most beautiful thing you've seen? That is a good question, and it's a difficult question to answer. There's a lot of beautiful stuff out there in the rainforest. Uh, once you get the eyes to spot the different things, you know, you can see a whole lot of different stuff. So, I mean, there are harpy eagles out there. There are the capybaras. Uh, all sorts of different birds, and then you know, then you have stuff at a macro level or a small scale, and there are all sorts of different ants and ant colonies, leafcutter ants, army ants. The, there's a real tiny little insect called a leafhopper. Those are really cool to photograph. Small grasshoppers, glowworms. Those are really cool. I've been taking glowworm photos lately. Those are about three millimeters long. And they have these tiny little jaws, and they hide in the in the an embankment and some dirt and stuff. It's really crazy, but a lot of beautiful stuff. I'd say as far as a bird goes, a royal flycatcher is a pretty beautiful bird, and that has like a, some feathers on the back of its head, and when it wants to mate or when it's scared, it puts those feathers up on the back of its head, and then it, it dances around in this real robotic-looking dance. 
And uh, that's really cool. That's really beautiful. I like the royal flycatcher a lot. How do these animals react to being photographed? Um, the animals react pretty well, you know. We try to stay really, really quiet, extremely quiet, so they don't even know that we're there. And then a lot of times we get a really long focal length, and uh, truthfully, they just act normally. And for some of those animals where you're doing macro photography, where you're right up there, very close, is there any behavior that, uh, that you see with any particular uh, kind of animal or species that's surprising? Some things, there's, there's some called jumping spiders, and those are really, really tiny spiders, about half the size of your pinky fingernail. And they live on, they live all over the place. They live on logs, they live on leaves, they live on the side of trees. And uh, they're kind of curious by nature. So when you go up there to take their picture, they'll kind of start moving their head left and right and kind of looking at you and examining the camera. And then they get scared, so they'll take some steps back and then they'll walk up and look at the lens again. And, and they're territorial, too. So if you scare off a little tiny jumping spider, it'll kind of run under a leaf. And then a few, maybe a minute later, it'll come and it'll start defending its little home again. And I think, I think jumping spiders are really, really cool. They're friendly, they're nice, they're curious, and, and they, they have a lot of personality. Now, even though Tambopata has its beaten paths for visitors and it's known as a very safe destination for travelers, it's, it's still a jungle. There's no shortage of peril if you don't follow safety guidelines. So my question is, what's the closest encounter you've had with something deadly? Well, to tell you the truth, the jungle being a, a crazy, dangerous place for tourists, I think is a misconception. I think out there in the jungle, it's, it's pretty safe. It's not crawling with poisonous snakes. It's not crawling with venomous spiders. The closest encounter I've had with something deadly not in Tambopata, but it's up on the border between Ecuador and Peru in a native tribal area. And these people make a living by capturing bushmaster snakes and fertilant snakes, and they milk the venom to sell as a medicine to different pharmaceutical companies in the United States and Europe. So one time a guy walked in with a basket. I said, hey, what's that? He said, oh, it's a couple of giant bushmaster snakes. And I, I looked in the basket, and there they were. Yeah, I'd say that's the closest I've come to uh, being with something deadly. For the photographers you take out, what makes a good photo in the rainforest? Well, I would say that a good photo anywhere is when it allows somebody to see the world in a different way. It enables a person to think about something that they never thought of before, feel an emotion, or maybe ask a question. I think those are good photographs. Let's say you have a photograph and the lighting's not exactly right or it's not totally sharp or, or something like that. As long as it, it, it moves a person to ask a question or feel something or, or stop and think, I think that's a pretty good photo. Thanks, Jeff, for taking the time to talk with us today. You got it. It was a pleasure being here. For more information about the Rainforest Photo Tours with Jeff Kramer, visit our webpage, fairtourtravel.com. That's F-E-R-T-U-R-travel.com. Or visit our blog, fairtourperu.info. For Peruvian travel trends, I'm Rick Vecchio.